0: Welcome to WearTechnology.com's User Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, technology architect.
1: And this is User Friendly 2.0. I'm your host Bill Sickens with me Gretchen and Bill. Welcome.
2: Hello. Hello.
1: So, we've got something a little different this week. We talked about this last week, but we are doing a bit of a new format here. We're actually going to be recording now in two sections. So we won't have as many commercial breaks. There'll be one in the middle, but not all the other ones. And it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. This is the first big change we've had in ten years. And the last time we had a format change like this was when we went from a thirty to a sixty-minute show. So this will be interesting to see how this goes. Everybody loves change, don't they?
0: Mm, depends. I take the that as a
1: no. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, we've got a good show coming up for you this week. We're going to be talking about a variety of different things, and one of them is the idea of safety on the Internet. No, that's not a new topic for us, but we've had a lot of questions coming in lately about things like VPN and email encryption and some stuff like that. So I figured it's a good time to maybe take a look at that, and then we're going to be talking video games in the second segment. So here we go. Today's news is brought to you by Mosaic
0: Arts Loft. Come discover the mosaic difference with art lessons in drawing, painting, and clay pottery making. Contact us for a free studio tour. And a buy four, get one free at mosaicsartsloft.com. We don't just make art, we build artists. What's in the news? Intel discloses new details on Meteor Lake VPU block. Lays out vision for client
1: AI. What does that mean? Okay, that was a mouthful. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. All right. So AI has become an extremely big deal, as we all know, in the last six months to a year. And this new item requires chips to be able to run it. So what's been going on so far is kind of like with the crypto mining thing using graphics adapters. They've been using graphic adapters to do the builds for training AIs. However, Intel and other companies like that have been for a long time and are now getting more focused on the idea of creating chipsets that are native to AI applications. They are terming this now generative AI, Uh which is the idea of something like ChatGPT or these type of technologies. So Intel comes up with upgrades to their processors all the time every couple of years there's a major change usually and we've heard about these things that once upon a time there was the 486 that was the big machine they have and then the pentium and then the pentium it's all 2 about the pentiums. and it's all about the pentiums as weird al would say yeah <laughs> and um you know it's been building from there and uh, since then we've got the i3 i5 i7 all of that stuff but within that there are these different generations And that is what this is actually talking about. So this next generation is something that's not on the market yet, but will be later this year, which is going to be their next upgrade. And it's going to contain technology designed to work specifically with AI and then do everything else your computer is going to do. And I do think within this year or next, we're going to see some major changes coming to just how computers work from all of the AI stuff that's going on right now, too. There's going to be a lot of differences. Does it mean that Windows 11 will work correctly? Well. Miracles can happen. So we'll see how that plays out.
2: Disney's The Little Mermaid rakes in $117 million at the U.S. box office on opening weekend.
1: So everybody was concerned that movie theaters were dead. Um, They're not. I think maybe that won't be the case. But we are seeing some of them still shut down and there's some other things going on. So there is a lot of churn. But one of the things that's going on here is during COVID... A lot of movie studios, including Disney, were releasing their new movies straight to streaming. So you could get it on Disney Plus right away. And now they're going back to the kind of format where they used before, where if you want to see it initially, you have to go to a theater. And then you can get it through other ways, nowadays streaming, a little later on. And they like this format because it's getting the movie theaters back into use again. But the studios are also still making more monies than they would otherwise because usually, when a new movie comes out to streaming, like Little Mermaid, they charge extra for it on top of your monthly subscription. So, you would have a Disney Plus subscription. I assume this will be on Disney Plus. So, you have a Disney Plus subscription, which is however much it is per month. And then, if you want to watch the new release right away, you might pay an extra 20 bucks on top of your monthly subscription to see the movie. So, you know, it's it's a bit of an income for them.
2: My question is though. And this has been shown previously. Is this a padded number? Because they used to buy out stuff on certain of their movies that had come out in the last, you know, few years, where they just buy out the movie theater to be like, "Ah, oh, look at how great we did."
1: That is certainly possible, and I could call Disney, and I can assure you that my answer <laughs> would not be tell that you. <laughs> there's no comment or they wouldn't respond. <laughs> Um, Yes, these type of things definitely do happen if they want to ramp something up to make it look better than it is. Is it possible in this case? It certainly is possible, and I wouldn't be that surprised if a certain amount of that number certainly would come from something like that. But at the end of the day, I don't know.
0: (laughs) NVIDIA Ace brings AI
1: to game characters, allows lifelike conversations. Yeah, I can't say I'm surprised to see this coming. So. Basically, what's going on here is exactly what you just said, is that they're bringing the technology to video games so that in the same way that you can talk with something like Bard or ChatGPT, your game character will react the same way so you can converse just like you would converse with anyone. And natural language conversation, audio to facial expression and text to speech capabilities are bringing this to your video games. And it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because there definitely is, in a lot of cases, a robotic component to game characters. And in this case, that would definitely change that. I don't know quite how I feel about this in a game like Cyberpunk. That could get interesting, especially <laughs> if the AI is actually able to generate their responses for real on the fly. <laughs> yeah.
2: That would be interesting.
1: So anyway, so it's going to be, you know, I, like I was saying earlier, I think this is going to change a lot of things we're just seeing the beginning of it but one of the ones that's out there is there's a plugin for um, Minecraft it's called the Minecraft AI plugin i was playing with that a little bit but it works you can talk to the npcs in the game but on that one there was really no awareness back so we'll have to see how you know how all of this works but i definitely think we're going to see some big differences coming up soon hopefully that bad guy in the video game won't try to do more than what he's supposed to in the game I wonder who that would be you're referring to.
2: Marvel pauses Wonder Man and Thunderbolts indefinitely due to writer's strike.
1: Yes, and this isn't the only thing. This is one of the bigger names that's being put on hold right now. But if you haven't heard, there is a writer's strike, and it's going on because there are claims made on the part of the writers' union that they're not being paid properly. Well, and that they're using freelancers and AIs yeah. and other things, and they're concerned about that, which I well, some of the job the stuff that I've
0: looked into oh my god, they always wanted you
1: can do this for free,
0: really? Free, how free doesn't pay the rent, <laughs> yeah. So, I'm really using
2: projects, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. this is why right. they have a union and they need it, yeah. yeah. Elon a-
0: Musk's oh, I'm sorry. Are we still I talking about make the
1: comments? Writers, in my experience, are one of the most important components to having uh, projects go well. And if it's not written properly, you can do everything else right, mm-hmm. and you're still not yep. going to get a good good product. So I-, I can kind of understand. I think writers are important, and I think it's very important that they are paid properly. So we'll have to see how this plays out.
2: Well, we don't want another one of those, uh, what, five-year spans where... They were like, oh, we don't need writers, so everything really sucked.
1: Yeah, and we got reality TV out of that, too, so you know,
2: it's...
1: uh, But anyways. (laughs) so
0: Okay, now we'll go on to our next one. Elon Musk's brain implant company, Neuralink, announces FDA approval of Inhuman clinical study. That term, Inhuman, rings a really weird bell if you um, watch any of the, like, Ghost Hunters and... Ghost adventures, any of that ghost stuff. <laughs> that just comes yeah, off. Well, really even the weird. term when
1: you think about it in human. Yeah. So now Bill, I'm gonna ask you this question first, remembering the f c c requirements on what we can say on the air. When are you gonna get your Elon Musk ring implant?
2: Uh the moment that has proven to probably work better than any of the others, but that's because, you know, there's what, five other companies who have been in clinical trials now for years? Yeah, so, it's so a- I feel like he's a little bit behind the curve.
1: So here's the thing. Like AI technology, this is actually not new, but it is newer in the news or at least being talked about more lately. And for anybody that doesn't know about this, Elon Musk has a company called Neuralink and it's been around for a while and they're developing cybernetic implants. And, you know, we talk about these things and what all of this can and can't do. Last week we were talking about these kind of implants giving people the ability to walk and quality of life things and all of that. And there's a whole other side that would be possible with this. So basically what they're talking about here is the fact that the FDA is approving study on this. So there's actually going to be cyborgs walking around with Elon Musk Neuralink implants in them. And we'll have to see how that plays out. So. You know, and like Bill just said, again, at the end of the day, this technology in of itself isn't new, but the application of it is starting to accelerate as these things do. So it'll be, you know, I say this a lot, but it'll be interesting to see kind of where this goes and what augmented humans are actually going to be like, because we're definitely heading in that direction. And, you know, how we'll treat our overseers, you know, augmented humans will obviously become that. So
2: there you are. WordPress sites need to update urgently.
1: Not to change topics, but there we go. (laughs) So, a good portion of the internet is run on WordPress. Now, WordPress is a piece of software that originally came out for the purpose of doing online blogs. It has morphed and developed over the years into a full fledged uh, website framework. I use it for a lot of stuff. We use it for the user friendly site. And this last week, though, there's been a lot of problems that have come out that need to be Address. So if you are running WordPress, in other words, if you are a website administrator or if you have a business that uses WordPress, you probably want to check with your administrator on this and just make sure you get everything updated. And this is a little unusual. I mean, there's always things that come out that need to be fixed and updated, but usually not this many. The first one is the WordPress core. And this is the actual software that runs it. Make sure you're upgraded to version 6.2.2. And this fixes the problem short code execution. Short codes are little bits of information within the website that do different things, like maybe show a calendar or something. And the vulnerability allowed for the bad guys to be able to get in and exploit that, whether or not you wanted them to do it. And then the plugins. Now, WordPress takes plugins. This is kind of like loading an app on your phone to extend functionality. And there are a number of them. One of the bigger ones that is used all over the place, and this has been given a critical score on the problem, is something called Jetpack. Jetpack is a plugin that's been around for a long time. It's very core to WordPress, and it does a lot of stuff with security, backup, speed, growth. It does analytics and a number of other things. It's used in a lot of different ways. This has a vulnerability, and this one's kind of an interesting one, is that if you know how to exploit it, you can overwrite files on the web server. So, I mean, what could go wrong there, right? Yeah, Uh, Get this one updated and the version that's patched is 12.1.1. So if you have anything older than that, you definitely want to bring it up. And then this goes on. There's a number of things for WooCommerce, which is an e-commerce function for WordPress. And some of the other things, the interface for Twitter is having a big problems, contact forms. I would suggest just going through, WordPress does have a system where it will tell you what needs to be updated. So get your core updated. And then make sure you patch all of your plugins so that they aren't showing as being out of date. And I know this can be kind of a pain, especially if you don't have auto updating technology on your site, but it is definitely needed if you don't want to get hacked. So, just to give you an idea this week that's come out, there's a total of over 30 of these vulnerabilities. And like I say again, this number is highly unusual to have this many.
0: Hackers win 105,000 for reporting uh, critical security flaws in Sonos One speakers?
1: Do any of you use Sonos speakers? No.
3: No? Okay.
1: I will say they're cool. And what these are uh, primarily for is things like whole house audio. So back in the olden days, you know, four years ago, um, if you wanted audio all over your house, you had to run wires and have an amplifier that was capable of that. And with smart speakers, including Sonos, you can do this where you just plug in the wireless speaker and they're cool. They set up, they sound good. Bose makes these Amazon makes a version of these and so on. And I use them and I like them. But the problem is, is the speaker itself is a computer. And as such, they've figured out a way to exploit aspects of that computer where they can execute code remotely. So in other words, they could play things on your speaker that uh, you don't want to know about or worse yet, get into your internal network. So all of these things being said, check it out and just make sure that that gets updated. You know, The topic of online security is something that we get asked about all the time. And I know just in my job, I have the same thing. It's a big concern and we're constantly having to look out for it. We just talked about the vulnerability in WordPress and the news and all of that. But there's other parts of this that also need to be considered and it's the idea of how you transfer your information across the internet because the internet itself isn't secure. So there's different technologies that allow you to make it more secure and one of them is VPNs or virtual private networks. We've talked about this in the past, but it's a question that's been coming up a lot lately just because of all the hacks and different things that are going on and people being concerned. So to that end, we have an interview with NordVPN This aired a while back, but we're going to go ahead and rerun it for you here because it's just as relevant. And it talks about what VPNs are and gives us some more information on whether this is something that's even right for you and what you can do to go ahead and secure yourself. So let's go ahead and run that interview. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Glad to have you here for our show today. We've had a lot of listener questions come in about security and virtual private networks. And joining me today is someone that can talk to us about it. Good morning. Good morning. So the first thing I'm going to say is, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you're doing?
3: Yes, of course. Uh, Thank you for having me first. uh, I'm Marius Bredis. I'm from NordVPN and I am CTO of it. So I do a lot of technical stuff in here and enjoy it every day. But welcome, and we're going to just start and dive right in here with the big question.
1: What is a VPN?
3: Well, VPN stands for a virtual private network. It's a service that protects your internet connection and privacy online. It actually creates an encrypted tunnel for your data, protects your online identity by hiding your IP address, and allows you to use, for example, public Wi-Fi hotspots safely.
1: Okay. And some of our listeners have heard of this technology from their office or from their work. Is it something that's important for home users? And if so, why?
3: I think it is. I think no one likes to be watched or tracked, even if they have nothing to hide. That's why it's important to step up your privacy game. And believe me, government agencies, marketers, internet service providers, they would all love to track and to collect your browsing history messages, and other private data. So what is the best way to hide it? I think just use VPN to encrypt your traffic, hide your IP, and cover your tracks online. Another use case for home users is when you want to access your home content while you are traveling around the world, for example, because in some countries, as we know, the content can be blocked. So if you want to never miss a friend's post on social media, you can use a VPN too. And the third case would be even if you are an avid gamer and have to deal, for example, with DDoS attacks or bandwidth throttling, setting up the connection to our fast servers can help you here too. Are VPNs difficult to set up? Not at all. Uh, To be honest, just use VPN apps. And we offer apps for all major platforms. It doesn't matter if you use a Mac An Android tablet or Windows laptop, just download it, set up the account, and you're ready to go. Of course, if you are a little bit more tech-savvy, you can configure it yourself with a manual setup. And you can even install NordVPN on your Wi-Fi router, for example, and every device that is connected to it will be protected.
1: Now, I assume that there's instructions on how to put all this together, and it's just a matter of installing the software. But that doesn't sound like something that's too difficult to do. So, now, I would think you'd want to do this before you were heading out on the road or that type of a thing. Get everything in
3: place and up and running and working, right? Yeah, that's true. Of course. You can find instructions online. Uh, There are a lot of examples how to do it. So, it's easy.
1: Now, will setting up a VPN slow down your browsing? Does it have an effect on your amount of available bandwidth or anything like that?
3: Not at all. To be honest, we always invest in our infrastructure. And uh, we have more than 5,000 ultra fast servers. Now even in 60 countries all around the world. And we use even some special techniques on our VPN servers. And in some cases, we can make your browsing experience even better and faster.
1: All right, that sounds like I'm gonna throw one other thing out at you. We've been talking a lot on the air lately about tracking and You know, Facebook is upset because Apple's changed their situation, so it's not as easy to track, but everybody else still has it. Does this type of a technology benefit in... You said you can't be tracked, but is this an area where the advertising and stuff also can't figure out what you're doing?
3: Yes. To be honest, you have to use a lot of techniques, not only the VPN connection. A VPN is just a part of it, but it hides your IP address. And uh, there, for example the website doesn't know where you are coming from. So use a separate browser, VPN connection, even split tunneling, and it will gonna help you with uh, staying online hidden, yeah.
1: Okay, a question that's already coming at us just for anybody that doesn't know, probably should address this,
3: what is an IP address? IP address is a special number that every router or your computer has because the internet is a network of networks, to, to be honest, and it's a big one. And to communicate, it uses special TCP IP protocols and IP addresses is how machines communicate with each other.
1: Okay. And how does one find you guys online? How, how do you, where do you go to download the software to set up a NordVPN?
3: Oh, just really easy. Just go to nordvpn.com and you will find more information and every information that you need there.
1: All right. Sounds good. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining us today. This is all really good information. Thank you for having me. All right. Have a good day. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. So, you know, dealing with VPNs is a good question, and it's something that may help, whether it's with your business or over the internet, like what Nord does. Now, of course, there is a cost with this, like anything else. It's another monthly subscription. The average on these is somewhere around $10 a month, although they can be a little more or a little less, depending on the provider you use. But one of the other things that came up, too, that I thought was very interesting is I'm working with a major bank. And we're working on doing some stuff for a home equity loan. And in line with that, I had to provide a tax return and found out that the bank has no way to submit it through any kind of a secure portal. They asked me to email it. And this is another thing to consider because email, at least in its normal format, unless you've done something to change it, is not secure. So when it's running over the internet, it can be intercepted and those files can be you know, taken down and uh, somebody can get into them. Now, there are some softwares out there. Google does this with some of their Gmail where it's encrypted in the end, but that only works if it's to another Gmail address. And there are some softwares out there that the medical community primarily uses for HIPAA compliance that will allow for encrypted emails where you have to go in through a special website to get to them. But it's definitely something to be aware of. I mean, we all use email every day. Yeah, I had to do something
0: similar, (laughs) and I was very uncomfortable with it. I still don't you know, know. I just flat out won't do
1: it. it. And I strongly advise do not send financial information and attachments on an email. Just, just unless you know it's encrypted, don't do it. And in my case, to get around this, I photocopied the tax return, the thing you did, and took it to the branch. And then internally, they were able to submit it on their system, which was encrypted. It was just a little weird not to have that capability. At least Agreed. I thought, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, with the bank, that's, that's,
1: that should be a top priority. I, mm-hmm. I would think. But just be aware of that your emails are not protected by default. All right, we've got another great segment coming up for you after a break. This is user friendly 2.0. We'll be right back.
0: Have you seen-
1: Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Check out our website, userfriendlyshow.com. We just recently launched a new website and it's got all kinds of information out there. You can play our back episodes, look at past seasons, everything's on demand. Our Tech Wednesday articles are up there as well as the Tech Wednesday blog and all of that. And there's also an option there for you to be able to submit your questions, comments, and story ideas. We appreciate that. Keep them coming.
2: What do you get when you mix hot rods, live music, and a family-friendly old town district? The 2023 Cruise-In Sherwood Car Show presented by Les Schwab, of course. User-Friendly is a proud sponsor of Cruise-In Sherwood's 31st year. Join us Saturday, June 17th from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Get details at userfriendlyshow.com. Just tap the Cruise-In Sherwood logo.
1: So video games are big business. Now, during the COVID pandemic this really ramped up and it was going kind of gangbusters we all remember that they came out with the PlayStation 5 and the new Xbox and nobody could get them you're starting to be able to get them now but it took what was that 2 years i think mm-hmm. yeah and like forever you know, i'm looking at it i actually haven't gotten a PlayStation 5 yet just because now i'm thinking about it it's actually a computer hardware that's 2 years old uh you know 2 years in computer years is kind of obsolete so I don't know. I, I, and I'm not saying don't get one. Everybody that I know that has them does like them. It's not that. It's just it hasn't been a priority anymore. You've been but, busy. Yeah. <laughs> well, that and, you know, just, I don't know. But anyway, to that end, I mean, there I are some new things in the works. And one of the big ones is something called the Sony Project Q. And this is another for a new handheld gaming console, like kind of like a Game Boy or something of that nature. Oh, really? But it's a little bit different. Because instead of having a series of cartridges and you know various things that are specifically for it, they're taking a little different approach. And basically, what it is is a streamer for your PS5. Hmm. So, in other words, your games that run on your PlayStation Five, you can play remotely. The thing kind of looks like, at least the uh, prototype of it, uh, like they've taken a PlayStation Five controller, cut it in half, and glued a uh, what would they be like a Nintendo Switch screen in between them. So huh. that's the idea. And uh, again, it doesn't use its own software. It, it has a little 8-inch screen, and it allows you to play games from your PS5. So they say whenever you're away from the TV. So this would obviously work in your house. It does require Wi-Fi to run. And I my understanding is, is that, or a 5G, good 5G hub, um, you need at least 5 megabits to use it on both ends. And that being the case, I would imagine that if you're traveling or something like that, you would also have access to your games. That sounds mm-hmm. like an interesting idea. And one of the big complaints about these handheld systems was always that you had to buy everything again. So this one won't have that restriction. I don't know. Is yes. this something you guys are going to get?
2: I'll see what yeah. it is when it comes out. I mean, I have a PS5 already, but I don't know. It's that always having to be connected thing in different settings, you know. I don't think my internet here would actually be able to handle that. So,
0: yeah, and the yeah, handheld a- game stuff, that was more of a Jeremy thing. He's got this case full of all these games. Uh, it's not really something that I did. So, no. <laughs>
1: <You laughs> no, and it's Gretchen, it's interesting that you mentioned that because gaming consoles and all of that have been around for a long time. So, the idea of handheld gaming goes back a one of the very first ones, if not the first one, is was something called the Microvision.
0: Yeah, I had fan. Microvision, Blip, uh, and then the little baseball game where the little red line would go, you know, dot would go around the field. And they I had remember those. I had a version. football yeah. one of those, and I had a space had invader one? one of
1: those. Come to think of it. Yeah.
0: I had the baseball one and uh, other people had football and basketball. At least I understood baseball.
1: (laughs) So. Well, you know, I think one of the reasons why Microvision was considered the first is because it would take interchangeable games. Mm -hmm. I won't call these cartridges because it was like the faceplate is what you bought. That was the common element. And the entire rest of the computer was the interchangeable part. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know,
0: but it's Merlin.
1: Merlin looked like a telephone. I remember that, those. Yeah, Merlin and you know, those type somewhere. of a thing. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, we had the Game Boy. Um, that's one that I did have, and I really liked mine. For whatever reason, and to this day, I do not understand why they didn't do it, because they had the technology at the time, as it did not have a backlit screen. The later versions did. Yeah, cost. It was like you couldn't see the screen.
0: Yeah.
2: A lot of that's yeah, cost. Yeah, Jeremy had a bunch uh, of those.
1: Costs?
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, backlighting is uh, screens back then were they burned out easily and it was expensive.
1: Did I know it go I had this that went over yeah, with batteries too. And it went over the screen, but um and it sort of worked for a backlight, but it still wasn't very good. But it was better than nothing. But um you know, you went from there and then let's see, Game Boy, what else was there? I remember um Atari? there was Game Gear. But that was the well, TV Atari? thing. That yeah, was Atari a TV yeah, Merlin, yeah. Um I think that
2: was Atari, wasn't it?
0: Merlin? I you know, I don't remember.
2: Technically the <laughs> Sega Saturn I don't know if it was Saturn, was it the, the other one? It had the huge controller and it had a little thing that you would put in for like a memory card, but it had a little tiny screen that played games occasionally.
1: I vaguely remember that, yeah. And uh I don't
2: know if that was I the, the, the Saturn, I think
1: was the CD drive for the Sega Genesis, but you
2: no, yeah, that and, was a Sega CD.
1: Sega okay, Sega C D. And by the way, the Atari were trying to think of what's called the Lynx. That was their handheld. Ah. Um, and uh it was an interesting system. I liked it, but they didn't make a lot for it, and then Atari kind of died. But um but yeah, there's been a number of these out there, and you know, you look at all of this stuff, and then video game consoles themselves, of course, and we've talked about this before, goes goes back to the 70s. And the first one to come out on the market was the um, what was that the, the Magnavox? Pong. It was uh, Odyssey. It was called the Odyssey. I remember. Oh, what about Pong? P- Pong was afterwards, and Pong did not take interchangeable uh, cartridges. Oh. So your no, Pong, Pong was your Pong. Pong so, went
0: on your TV, and it, you basically played several versions
1: of tennis on the TV. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. And that, so well, it's not Pong a was a big thing. deal. And, yeah. No, no, they're not handheld. These go on your television. So does the uh, yeah. uh, Odyssey. Flip um, was the, the handheld
2: version of Pong. Yeah, and, uh, and those of, Pong was a really arm. big deal.
1: It was one of the first arcade, if not the first arcade, video games. After like you know things like uh, pinball and stuff, and it was a big deal in those days to deal mm-hmm. with that. And you know, you came out with these things. I remember my very first video game system was something called a Fairchild Channel F, and I've heard of those. it took cartridges that looked like an eight track tape, but they were yellow.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> hmm. And uh you know, the, it, and the thing of it, and those are actually uh, quite collectible now if you have a good one. And then of course Atari, we all know Atari, the 2600, the 5200, and they've tried some different things. And Atari's name is back now; they're trying to do another video game console. We've talked about this in the past. I don't actually know what's going on with that. Hmm. Um, it's uh we're gonna have to look that up and see if that's going anywhere. I know, Bill, you kind of called it; you didn't think that was going to be a real successful thing and i i don't know being that i haven't heard of it in a year maybe it's not
2: it's about competition and if you can't keep up which i hate to say you know they the big company the big three they just have it over everything they have the production they have games they have developers so it's it's just hard to get into that market
0: so I do people still do, um, like, uh, arcade games? Do they still go to arcades and play?
1: Oh,
2: yeah.
1: Arcade oh, yeah. games are It's not popular as popular as it once that. was, but they exist. Wait, what was that, Bill?
2: Well, at least in America, it's not as popular. But some of them have gotten definitely insanely amazing. Hmm. Um,
1: yeah, well, some of what you can do in an arcade, you know, with big screens and surround sound and all the rest of it, and now um, virtual reality and the other thing is holographics. So oh, yeah. it, I, I got to go to an arcade. I haven't seen a real arcade. I mean, there's some retro arcades around that have the games from the 80s and 90s. But are there? Is there somewhere you can go to that's a modern arcade that has new technology?
2: There are some, I believe, in some of the malls, uh, you know, the bigger ones. I can't think of names. We don't have one of those nearby. But uh, yeah, there's and some of the casinos here. will get some of the better yeah. ones in. But yeah, it's, I remember it's not Smith as exciting as some of the others. Um I know if you look at like in Japan, that's definitely the highlight of that, where you can get go and see just about any kind of arcade game from old to new.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's definitely really worth checking. T- I didn't uh, know we t- had malls anymore either, I'm kidding. But um uh uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> but yes yeah, you know as far as all that goes so they break these up into a generation the first generation being like the atari 2600 and magnavox odyssey 2 which was a reboot of their odyssey that had more processor and stuff and then another one which was one of the longer lived ones was the intellivision and this was made by magnavox it was kind of an interesting device it was rectangular and all of the stuff went into the right hand side i remember so you could get a voice synthesizer, and it was this add-on module and cartridges and other things. So it became longer and longer the more you did with it. <laughs> but um, I
0: think I was more excited about the fact that you could have games on a computer. Um, yeah. So when uh, I I used to play one of the original Sim Cities on the computer, and I think I'm the person who got you into it to begin
1: with yeah Sim but, City. Uh, yeah you're uh, responsible for my little addiction there and um <laughs> to to the and it's interesting because a lot of these video game consoles actually originated as from computers at the time, so like uh in television was the atom computer oh
0: really? which
1: was a telev- you used your television it had a keyboard, and I don't know if I had a mouse, but I had a keyboard and you could save things um and all of that kind of stuff, and then the atari fifty two hundred was also based on the eight bit atari computers like uh Oh, it was a 130 xe I think, was the one I had. And then Atari came out with a second-generation computer, the ST lines, which were 16-bit. But their video game console was a toned-down version of their 8-bit computer. So you have all of this kind of connected, where they were making the things. In fact, the Nintendo, the original Nintendo uh, that came out, that was also the FanCom in Japan. And there is a computer version that that's was in some way connected to in the beginning, too. And I don't know, I think Nintendo, the old 8-bit Nintendo was probably the in my opinion at least the most successful video game console. I don't know, what do you think?
2: Uh yes and no. It it really comes down to the Nintendo the only benefit there was it survived the old the first video game crash.
3: Yeah.
2: Um and came out on top with just so many companies collapsed, but I think a lot of that was also its accessibility, um, and for that matter, the ability to not you know break no matter what you could do to the dang things. Um, so I guess maybe it probably was one of the best ones ever. Yeah, but, yeah, they
1: yeah. they were definitely well made, and the, Nintendo did a few things in that era too. One of them is they had a thing called a lockout system, so all of the game cartridges had to be manufactured by Nintendo to include a special chip, or they would license it. And mm-hmm. one of the things that that did, that Atari had a problem with, is it allowed them control over the quality of the games that were being made. And on the Atari, especially the 2600, there's a lot of crap games out there. E.T. is an example. <laughs> um, <laughs> and other well. things. So the Nintendo, unless you licensed it and had the chip in your cartridge, it wouldn't it wouldn't run it. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, so they say that they rejected games that they felt were too mature, but it also had to do with the quality of the game. And like you say, it survived the crash and then came into its own right after that. And there were competitors with Sega, uh, the Sega Master System, which isn't as well known, which was kind of cool. And then you had the Sega Genesis, which was one that uh, a lot of people had. I've, I had both of them at one point in my life, and mm-hmm. um, they were kind of cool. It was uh Genesis that had what you, like you said, build a Sega CD. And... I think there was a device that went underneath the console or something, if I remember correctly. I didn't have enough money at the time to buy it, but I've seen them. But uh, And that's kind of when we transitioned into CDs. And, you know, it's an interesting thing, too. So PlayStation and Nintendo are the two, uh, or at the time, were the two primary manufacturers. And Microsoft's coming into the market now with the Xbox. But at that point, there actually is a prototype, what's called a Nintendo PlayStation. I don't know if you've ever heard of that.
2: Yeah, you mentioned it a while back, and to go back, it was the Sega Dreamcast that had the little screen.
1: The Dreamcast, <laughs> okay, yeah, 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 all these names, you know. I like the Wii. Yeah, the, so Wii. Yeah, <laughs> the, the Wii was later Nintendo, and, and actually, yeah. it's, I still have a Wii, I like it. And, um, you You're know, that s- was just another generation of that. There was the Wii, and then there was the second Wii that had a screen in the controller, which I never quite got used to that.
2: Oh, that could have gone to yeah. so many places, and they watched it so bad. Agreed. Oh man. To yeah. put it mildly. Cuz it was it, it was
0: so fun and then they just kind of like, no, right, let's, let's ruin this. Oh,
2: great. Part of it was <laughs> the marketing. They made it seem right. like it was just an extension of the Wii when it was an upgrade to a new system. But the way they marketed it was just the Wii U, so nobody like put two and two together that they were separate systems except for those who were in the know and they're like, "Yeah, I don't know." it doesn't have that many games to it yet. And that was just a massive marketing failure. When
1: the base console looked very similar, if not identical, if I remember correctly too, between the Wii and the Wii U. The only difference was it had the handheld. Yeah.
0: It had the the handheld handheld stuff wouldn't work and it was disappointing. I had um, some favorite games that I really liked and they
1: disappeared. Yeah. it just, you know, these things can still be used, but, uh, and there were some other things out there, too. The TurboGrafx-16 was kind of cool. Not a lot of people know about that, but it uh, was out for a few years. I think they made them for about five years,
2: was um, the which was kind of a fun
1: system. Not a lot of software, but.
2: There was a lot of those systems during that time. Magnavox, there was the Jaguar, and then that one. That they were all trying to do different things. I remember the Jaguar was like, their big thing was like, look at us. We have PC games. We have Doom. We're the first console to have Doom on it. That the controller was so terrible because it had the normal uh, directional pad and, like, four buttons and shoulder buttons. Then it had 16 buttons in the middle, like a phone, almost. My goodness.
1: Oh, (laughs) jeez. Yeah, I remember, you know, actually, come to think of it, a lot of the older systems, the Atari 5200 was like that. The controllers, which didn't work very well, but the controllers had a keypad, like a phone. And multiple fire buttons, and the Intellivision and, for that matter, there were a couple of others, too. The Intellivision, I know, was one um, that had that same type of thing, the ColecoVision, also, where the controller had a full numeric keypad built into them. I don't yeah. have enough buttons on the controller, you know, right now, but... Uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> then I look at some of the people who get the mice for uh, playing World of Warcraft that have that many buttons.
1: <laughs> oh, that's not a problem. On World of Warcraft, you just have to know how to use it yeah oh anyway and there's some others too have you ever heard of the apple pippin
2: no uh in passing Yeah, this was a,
1: a attempt by apple for a video game came out in 96 was discontinued in 97 so i don't think it went very far and then of course there is the virtual boy and we've ah. talked about this before. Um, that thing was interesting. If you have one, they're actually worth quite a bit of money. as they're collectible now. Um, if you would like to have a migraine headache, if you haven't experienced that, just play this for about five minutes. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to say it. Really? It, it was an well, early attempt at virtual reality. It came out in 1994. Everything was red. So you you had to put your head up against this thing and look into it. And it was just painful to play. Really,
2: you, you know, like our quests, our uh, VR headsets. Yeah, yeah imagine uh-huh. that, but five times larger. Had a bipod that had to be there. It had, technically it's technically strapped to your head, and then you had a <sighs> bipod, so you had to be on a table and it had a controller. The thing was, is it <laughs> marketed itself as 3D? It wasn't. It was actually a 2D. They just used wireframes to make it simulate it.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, okay. That
0: sounds. And it was
2: right unpleasant. red on black, so it hurt.
1: Oh it's, wow! Uh, yeah, it was definitely uh, definitely not something I'd want to experience again. And it just you know these type of things. Genesis had something called Nomad, um, which I've never actually seen, but I've heard of them being around. So uh, various versions of the Game Boy. I don't know. Now you know we're going forward. It's uh, 2023 now, and we've had the PlayStation Five, the new Xbox, the Nintendo Switch, and these type of things. We're talking about a new handheld to stream Xbox. But I don't know, Bill, and you might be able to speak to this a little more. Do you think the idea of a console is eventually going to go away? Or do you think they're just going to keep changing them?
2: How do I put this in the simplest terms without sounding weird? Because I love console gaming just as much as I love PC gaming, which I I do both. The benefit of a console is it is a layman's computer. You don't have to think about it. Everything goes in. And, you know, recently it is a problem of companies that need to really just learn to finish their products before they ship them. You know, really test them, really get everything done before they do that. But in general, the benefit of a console is, is when you have a game that is produced for that console, it is optimized for your console. So it's going to run exactly the same across all the consoles. There's not going to be, you know, problems with hardware. It's like PC stuff. You know, five people could buy the same game, and just because they have a different video card manufacturer are going to have five different problems. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: And, And that's just the way it is with so many configurations of PC stuff. Now, yeah, I can go get, you know, a hardcore video card and processors and liquid cooling and all that and play Cyberpunk at the max settings. I can play you know I got five year old system now or three year old system. I can still play at max settings. Full ray tracing everything. I got a 2080 Ti in my in my system. I don't have to go buy a 4080. But the PS5 like I said it, it's not, it's not the same. It doesn't quite have the same quality but I can generally assume that if I buy something for the PS5, it's going to work. And that is the benefit to that is mostly for developers. They can make games that are going to work.
1: And you know, you talk about this, there's pluses and minuses to that because in the days of the cartridge, once the cartridge was made, that was it. It was like pressing a record or a CD. Now with modern systems, the manufacturers know that they can do updates. In fact, most of the time now, You buy a brand new game, and the first thing it has to do is download for 45 minutes, which is not something I like, but it's the way (laughs) it is. So it's almost like they push it out and then expect to, we're going to fix it afterwards, and that's exactly what they do. Now, on a plus side, they can fix the bugs and be able to deal with things on down the road. On a minus side, this also opens up the idea that you don't normally have to buy the game. You buy add-ons and in-app purchases and microtransactions and all of that. So that's something that definitely makes more money for the video game company. But it seems like in a lot of ways, their focus is on stuff like that instead of fixing the original product when there's problems with it. Have you experienced that?
2: Uh, Yeah, I've had issues with with some of them. And there are games that are still out there that are not supported anymore where you you buy the disc and it's broke. There, there is no way to play that game. Um, hmm. I, I, that I sounds mean, disappointing. As far as, and it's a company thing. And I'll state this. I have had less problems with games being produced and having those kind of issues on Sony than I have Xbox or a lot of things. And that is because in a way, like Apple, Sony takes a lot of time to make sure that this is going to work that they are selling a game. That's going to be good. They really got upset with like cyberpunk 2077 when it came out because it didn't work right. And then they updated it and it got worse. So Sony was like, okay, we're not selling this anymore. This is trash. It's not going on our system until you fix it. And that is come of the benefits there. Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: And I think, you know, going down the road with all of that, it's uh it's going to be something that I think we're going to see a lot more of it, just like software updates and things where they try to circle back. But yeah, Cyberpunk is an interesting story of this. The game now works well. Oh, yeah. I haven't had any trouble with it in a long time. But like you say, when it first came out, there were warnings if you wanted to buy it. <laughs> you can buy this, but it's not going to run properly, and it didn't. And some of the <sighs> stuff it did was very frustrating, where you get into the game, get your character built up, and then it would delete or corrupt or something and you would lose all of that. And that's another big thing. You know, Gretchen, you were talking about arcades a little bit earlier. One of the things that's changed with that is back in the days, it's like Pac-Man or those kind of games you put in a quarter. You played it. Modern video yeah. games, in many ways, you have a learning curve. Yeah. You have to ramp up and invest time into it to be able to get it to where you want to be. And if you lose that information, it really it, yeah, is not a fun that. thing. It, it gets really people very, very frustrated. And that's not something that uh, that you want to be. All right, a few in the numbers. So we are now considered the ninth generation of video game consoles. So that's what our PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X and all that falls under. The new Atari, which is considered between the eighth and the ninth, is still on the market. They've sold about 10,000 units. Just to give you a comparison to that, the uh, PlayStation 4 sold 117.2 million. The Xbox One being at 58.6 million. So there is a little difference in those numbers. So maybe that's why we haven't heard about it as much lately, you know? Mm -hmm. So anyway, we'll see where this goes. And I, like we said here today, I think there's going to be a lot more coming out. This new handheld is going to be interesting to see how they got that worked up. All right, We've got a great show coming up for you next week. And we're going to have a couple of guests on doing a few different things. Let us know what you think about the new format. What can we add? What can we change? What would you like to see us do here? We've got some more time, so we can definitely dig in a little more depth on topics and look at things a little bit in a different way than what we used to do. So send them over, userfriendlyshow.com. That is our website. That's the place where we can get your feedback. We are on social media, of course, One user-friendly on Facebook and Twitter. We're also on LinkedIn. So those are places too. But the website is probably the best place to go and get a hold of us and send us your questions. So on that end, and until next week, this is User-Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0 is copyright 2023. User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. Views expressed on this show are those of the host and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting and technology provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Listen at TheAnswerPortland.com, UserFriendlyShow.com, or wherever
0: you listen to podcasts.